Alan. So could we give a stand-up, huge, harbor welcome to Alan and Leona Platt as he comes and shares the word of the Lord today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Darren, Wendy, and all of you. It is a delight and a privilege for us to be with you at this momentous occasion of 15 years. Puberty is now officially over. <laughs> and um, you have uh, a wonderful history and a wonderful journey. But it's pretty obvious you're looking forward to an incredible future. And we are so thrilled and grateful that we can come alongside and just share some of that journey with you. Thank you for welcoming us into your world. And uh, we count it such a privilege uh, together with Sam and the rest of the team and everybody that carries the burden for this house. We honor you as people of such influence and character within this region and uh, are so grateful for this ministry. So I, I bring congratulations to you from the whole Doxadeo family. Um, they say, well done, thank you for your faithfulness. And I also bring congratulations to you officially from the Church United body within South Florida, who today, so many of them are sending notes of congratulations saying, well done, we are so pleased that you are part of the kingdom expression in this region. Yesterday we had uh, the privilege of um, being a smaller group, and I had the privilege of speaking to some of the, the, the leaders of um, the house here at the harbor, and I shared a little bit about what I, as a close outsider, was seeing was the gift and uh, just the contribution that you as a family are bringing to this region and um, to the broader body of Christ. And just thought it would be good for me just to start this morning by repeating that and just sharing a little bit of this is how we perceive you from the outside looking in. And the first thing that we see uh, is a grace upon this house is that you are a prophetic voice to this region and to the church at large. There's something of a prophetic mantle on this ministry where you are, are able to break open the now word. What is God saying to the church now, in the season, at this time? What I also deeply appreciate, of course, about this church is that you're not just communicating the now word, but you are communicating the eternal word, and you are faithful to the gospel. You are faithful to break open the word about the accomplished work of Christ and our inclusion in that reference. 
You know, there's nothing greater than recognizing that you are included in the greatest moment in history. And then when Christ died, you died with him. When he was raised, you were raised with him. And when he triumphantly ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, you share in that reference. Seated with him in heavenly places. When history recorded the death of one man, eternity recorded the repositioning of humanity. And this body is one of, one of the key voices for that truth in this region. I want you to know that it's a very important mantle that you're carrying. You are a very authentic community. Um, it's amazing just to experience... Uh, how real you are as a group of people, as a faith community. Uh, you are very unpretentious. You are real. You are uh, the real deal. Um, and um, what is exciting for, for us to see is that that realness makes it easy for the next generation to find a place that they can call home. And uh, we commend you on that and encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, there is a creative freedom in the house. Uh, when you walk in here, you sense there is a liberty in the spirit. And uh, it's a precious contribution to the broader kingdom expression in this region. You unquestionably raise leaders. Uh, consistently bringing people through the ranks and, and allowing people to become what God has called them to be. Even in the communication today, celebrating 15 years, that's what you've been saying. God has something in store for your life. And uh, that is just amazing. Keep doing that. At the same time, you excel in making disciples. When people become part of the harbor, the harbor rights are disciples. They love to grow, to develop, to become what God has called them to be. And that's just beautiful. One of the key things to discover is that when you come to church, you don't come to the program. You are the program. And if you discover that you are the program, well, that changes the way you think about that which is, is affecting you. You, you. you drink deeply because you want to become what God has called you to be. You're a generous church, uh, a church that, that blesses and gives. And we're at the receiving end of that in the City Changes movement. You've been investing in the equipping and training of leaders globally. That's part of what this church does. But I've also seen the generosity of this church in terms of just how you engage with the church at large. You're always speaking positive. You're always blessing. You're, you're always creating space for others. There's a generosity of heart within this ministry that's really beautiful. And there's also an apostolic mantle on this house where it's very clear that God has raised Darren in particular as a voice 
to, to this region, but also to nations of the world. And I want to thank you that at times you release him to be that voice. Don't, don't come to church thinking, oh, you know, Darren's not here. You should see it as a moment of investment. We're sending this voice to impact the church at large. And we thank you for that. But as I was reflecting on this moment in your history and what I will share with you, I realized that a moment like this is where you reflect on the past and thank God for all the good things that have happened. But in essence, you are posturing yourself towards the future anticipating that which God has in mind for this ministry going forward. And therefore, it's beautiful to see how the communication is, is being done at this moment in history. It's not just wanting to reflect on what has happened in the past, grateful as we are for that, but it's really saying, God, what are you saying to us? for the future. And the moment you start thinking about the future with expectancy, you create space for God to move. It's interesting that when we think about this concept of expectancy, and I want to talk to you about expectancy in your own life, but also expectancy regarding this ministry. And I want to share three things with you today about this concept of expectancy. Starting off by saying expectancy, God meets you at the level of your expectancy. It's amazing when you go through scripture, you see this principle weaved right through the narrative of God's engagement with people. It's fascinating to see even in the ministry of Jesus how Jesus met people at the level of their expectancy. I'll give you a few examples. There was a man called Jairus. He had a daughter. She's very ill. She's going to die. And, and he get, comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I know if you come to my house and minister healing to my daughter, she will live. So what does Jesus do? He meets him at the level of his expectancy and he goes to his home and he ministers to that daughter and she lives. It's not long after that, there is a military man, a Roman centurion. He's a man of authority. He knows what it is to speak a word and it will be executed. And he sees authority in Jesus' life. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I have one of my men. He's quite a distance from here and I'm not worthy that you come to my house, but I know that if you speak a word, he will be healed. So what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't say, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, I, I just come from Jairus' house. The way I function is I go to homes. I, I minister in houses. He meets him at the level of his expectancy. 
speaks a word and healing takes place. There's a woman that's very ill. Medically, there is nothing more that can help her. And, and she hears that Jesus is coming to her town. But the multitudes are gathering around Jesus. And, and she says to herself, if I can just press through the crowd and I can get close to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. And so she does that. She presses through, comes close to Jesus, Touches the hem of his garment. And when she does, Jesus stops and asks the question and says, Who touched me? The disciples are confused. And they turn to Jesus and they say, Lord, people have been touching you all day. You've got to remember, Jesus was a celebrity in that time. There must have been teenagers that said, Oh, I touched Jesus. I'm going to wash my hand. People were touching Jesus all the time. But it's as if Jesus says, somebody touched me with expectancy. Because I felt power flow from me. Somebody put a demand on me. There's a blind man. He's sitting at the gates of Jericho. He hears Jesus is coming by and he knows this is my only opportunity. So he starts shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples go to him and they want to quiet him down. Jesus sees this and he stops and he says, bring him here. So, so they bring this blind man to Jesus, and he stands in front of Jesus. And then Jesus asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? Now I can just see those disciples. They were not the sharpest bunch there was, but they figured this one out. It's obvious, Jesus, he's blind. Jesus says, no. I want to hear it. Speak to me. Say it. Lord, that I might see. Jesus says, let it be. There's something about recognizing what God is saying, capturing the heart of God for a moment, and then formulating that into something that you start to speak. You speak it. You know, in the Doxadale family, we, a few years ago, we, we were running kind of like back to a plateau, and things were plateauing out, and we were kind of sensing something needs to happen and we weren't quite sure and in a time of just reflection spending time with God God gave us a word and this word was accelerate we said Lord what does this mean we sensed God challenge us at our 20 year celebration that we will announce that we are trusting God, that things will accelerate, that in five years we will see God do what He has done the last 20 years. 
with this thing in our spirit. And at 20 years, we were at the plateau. And we spoke it. And when we spoke it, it released something in the spirit. We're now two and a half years into that space. You, I mean, it's just incredible. The whole conversation has changed. We're seeing God move. We're planting campuses. Things are starting to happen in an incredible way. And everybody's just saying, it's accelerate. You've got to speak it. Of course, we know this is true not just individually. This is also true corporately. And yesterday we spoke a little bit about this. This corporate unity coming together of one mind and one understanding. Because we see how Jesus goes to a town called Capernaum. And in Capernaum, Capernaum is, is excited and electric with anticipation. Jesus is coming to town. And, and that's where the multitudes came together. That's where Jesus ministered right through the night. As a matter of fact, the Bible says every person that he ministered to in Capernaum was healed, set free, delivered. It was in Capernaum where the people were, the, the multitudes were so many, that's where they had to rip open the roof. Remember when they brought the lame man and the, and the friends had to lower him down to get him in front of Jesus? That was Capernaum. But Jesus goes to Nazareth. Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And so the people were conflicted about who is this Jesus? Could it be that God really uses him? I mean, we know him as the carpenter's son. And so they were uncertain about Jesus. And you see, the level of expectancy really is down. And then some of the saddest words in the Bible are recorded. Jesus didn't do many miracles in Nazareth because of the unbelief of the people. Listen to that. Same Jesus. Same anointing, same desire to minister to people, but didn't do many miracles because of the unbelief of the people. You know, we have the privilege, Neana and I, to travel globally and be in many spaces in the world. And many churches, when you walk into that church, you just know nothing's going to happen today. And then you come to the harbor. I tell you, there is a spiritual weight that you carry as a ministry. It's time for you to step into that and to say, Lord, you've gifted us. You've blessed us. We carry something in the Spirit. Now, Lord, we want to see that being expressed with impact and with grace and with the, the calling that you've called us to. Because you see, this is the second point. Expectancy is not the result of our circumstances. Expectancy is the result of what God says. 
You see, we're not trying to convince God about something. We, we hear from God what God says, and then we align ourselves to what God is saying. And that's what, where expectancy is birthed. Expectancy is not the fruit of where we are. You know, many people, you know, I speak to people sometimes and they say, well, that will never happen here. As if, you know, tomorrow is just an extension of yesterday. God never works that way. God takes us on an incredible journey. Where he awakens things in our hearts and he, and he brings hope in our hearts about the future. You know, hope is the picture you have about a preferred future. And faith needs hope to work. Faith is the evidence of the things hoped for. And when God speaks, it changes our picture of hope. I like what it says in Romans 4 verse 18 when it says, And Abraham against hope on hope believed. What was that? You see, Abraham was 75 years old. What was his hope? What was his anticipation? I'm not going to have a son. It's over. I'm 75. And then God speaks. And when God speaks, it changes his hope, his his anticipation of the future. And what happens in that moment? Suddenly everything changes the way Abraham thinks, speaks, acts. I mean, when you find Abraham, he's walking the aisles of Toys R Us. So what are you doing here? Oh man, just looking. There's, a, there's, a, there's an anticipation. What's the picture you have in your mind when you think about the future? When you think about your own future, when you think about, when you anticipate what God wants to do in your life. But what's the picture you have in your mind when you think about the harbor and what God is saying? You see, if you... His, Here's what's very important. When we, we think about the future, we think in pictures, right? When we stopped here this morning, I got out of the car and there was a kid out here in the streets. I knew this kid had just escaped from the children's ministry. So I wanted to help him, but it was an ugly kid. And a nasty kid. Aggressive kid. So when I came close, he started picking up stones. Wanted to throw stones at me. There was no kid. <laughs> Listen to what just happened. I said, I got out of the car and there was a kid. You did not see the letters KID. You saw a kid. And you thought for a moment, maybe it's my kid. And then I said, it's an ugly kid, and you knew it was not your kid. 
I said, it's an aggressive kid. And, the kid and, and, and then I said, I came close to the kid and the kid wanted to throw me with stones. Listen to what was happening. I was giving you information and as I was sharing information with you, I was changing the pictures in your mind. Now here's the principle. If you have the wrong source of information, you will have the wrong pictures in your mind. And if you have the wrong pictures in your mind, you will have the wrong expectation of the future. That is why it's so important for us to hear what God says. That's why we gather around His Word as much as we can. Why? Because we want to hear the thoughts of God. So that God can speak so that it can change the way we think. Because if it can change the pictures in your mind, it changes the hope that you live with and it changes the expectation you have for the future. So I pray that in the next season as you start unpacking what God is saying to this house, that it will galvanize your hearts, galvanize your minds, bring you to oneness of heart and spirit and seeing together. Because there's nothing as powerful as a group of, of a faith community that sees together and speaks together. Because you see, expectancy creates, this is the third principle, an environment for the supernatural to happen. That's what expectancy does. It creates an environment conducive for life to flourish. I want to end today by reading a portion of Scripture from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. And just to give you background to this story, it's a story about a widow that had lost her husband. He was a prophet. He was part of the prophetic team under the leadership of Elisha. And he had lived out of his ministry. That's the way he had raised income for his family. And then he died. And he left his wife and two children with no source of income. And they were at the end of everything they had. And in this moment of crisis, this, this widow comes to Elisha, the leader of this prophetic group, and says, you have to help me. Now listen to what the conversation was. Second Kings chapter 4. Verse 1 to 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just 
18. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring and when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now this is a beautiful story about God's provision in the life of a widow. But it's also a story of expectancy. Because the prophet says to this widow, go and get as many jars as you can from all your neighbors. Don't get just a few. Now we don't know whether she did that because the Bible doesn't tell us whether she went to the neighbors. We don't know what the social dynamic of that moment could have been. I mean, can you imagine her going to her neighbor, knocking on the door, neighbor opens, hi, how are you? Yeah, what can I help you? Hey, I, I want to get as many jars as I can. Jars? What do you want to do with them? Oh, I, I want to put oil in. Oil? How much oil do you have? It's a long story. I have a little jar. It's can you imagine when she left there with those jars, what the neighbor was saying to her husband? We really need to start praying for our neighbors. Since she lost her husband, she's not the same. <laughs> we, we don't know. What we do know is she did shut the door. Obviously, these were young kids because they were not economically active. Now, can you imagine mom trying to explain to these kids? All right, so this is what's going to happen. We've got all these empty jars on this side. Johnny, you stand there, and then you bring a jar. I'm going to take this oil, and then I'm going to fill this jar. And when it's full, then you, Mark, you take it, and you put it on that side. I can just see those kids. We don't know. We don't know what the dynamic of that moment was. But here's what I see. I see how she takes that first jar and puts it down and takes this little bit of oil she has. She looks up to heaven and says, Lord, this does not make sense to my natural mind. But on your word, I'm going to trust you. And I see how she takes that oil and she starts to pour. And as she starts to pour, I see that oil start flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. Can you imagine what was happening in that room? Can you see those kids? Mom, it's working. 
And the oil is flowing and flowing, and it's nearly full. And mom says, all right, you've got to take this one, bring the next one, and take it. Bring in the oil, and the oil flows, and it's the next one, and bring the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And they're packing them away, and, and, and the oil is flowing. And then mom says, bring another one. And he looks around, and he says, there is no more. And the Bible says, and the oil stops. Here's the principle. If there was another jar, the oil would have kept flowing. It was all determined by how many jars. You know, the oil could have still been flowing today. If they were Americans, they would have opened a company. Flowing Oil and Sons Incorporated. Here's what I'm asking you. What is the, the expectancy component of your life? What does it look like? What are you putting out there? What are you trusting God for? What are you engaging God with in terms of hearing Him speak over your life and responding to that and, and trusting God? Here's what I'm trusting God for this morning. Lord, come and enlarge the capacity of every individual hearing this word to be able to accommodate what you have in mind for their lives and for this ministry in the next season. An enlargement of capacity that we can, we can put out the jars this morning and say, Lord, we want to truly trust you. We want to believe. We don't want our circumstances to determine the level of our anticipation. You've called us to more. You've called us to greater. You've called us to fullness. And so this morning, if you want to engage in this moment with me, saying, Lord, enlarge my capacity, stand with me, lift up your hands, and let's just call out to the Lord and say, Lord, come and enlarge. Enlarge, Lord. Oh, Lord. Come and enlarge our hearts. Large capacity. We want to believe, Lord. We want to believe. We want to anticipate. We want to expect. Oh, we thank you, Father. So, Lord, we come before you as your people. You know us. You know where we are, Lord. 
you know how desperate we need for you to come and just enlarge the capacity of our hearts, our minds. Come and stretch us, Lord. Just come and bring a, a fresh new sense of, of yes in our hearts. Lord, over every individual hearing this word, I speak it over this house in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, a release for the future destiny of the Harbor Church and every individual, and we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's just worship the Lord. Let's just...